have an anchor. And that anchor is the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Will your anchor hold in the storms of life when the clouds unfold their wings of strife? When the strong tides lift and the cables strain, will your anchor drift or firm remain? We have an anchor that keeps the soul steadfast and sure while the billows roll. Fastened to the rock which cannot move, grounded firm and deep in the Savior's love. Are we reminded of a passage in Scripture? The Lord Jesus Christ te teaches us about. Uh, the wise men that built his house upon the rock and then he that didn't and the difference you see many people think that just because you are a Christian that there is no that there are no storms in our life but if you look at the story both the house that was built on the rock and on the sand had the same storms the winds and the waves and everything else yet the one that was built on the Lord Jesus Christ made it through that storm amen and this song is asking us are you anchored to the Lord Jesus Christ? And if you are, then you have hope. Amen? So let's sing these next three verses. It is safely moored, will the storm withstand? Fort is well secured by the Savior's hand. And the cables pass from his heart to mine. Can defy that blast whose strength divine. We have an anchor that keeps the soul steadfast and sure while the billows roll. Fastened to the rock that cannot move, grounded firm and deep in the Savior's love. It will firmly hold in the straits of fear when the breakers of told the Tempest rave and the wild winds blow, not an angry wave shall our bark overflow. We have an anchor that keeps the soul steadfast and sure while the billows roll. Fastened to the rock which cannot move, grounded firm and deep in the same. turn to page 621 621 this may be a new song for many of us certainly was a blessing we learned it at this men's retreat it's a beautiful song it's a great message who is on the lord's side who will serve the king who will be his helper other lives to Sung this song for the first time. 
Amen, which is a beautiful song, and it's great to learn some new songs, but just as you're, as you're reading the words and trying to get the melody at the same time, we don't want to forget that this has a message for us here, and many people think that just because we're saved that uh, God's on our side, and uh, we need a reality check. God's not on our side. He's on his side. Amen. And if we want to be blessed, we need to get on his side. Amen. And then we know that we have his safety and his protection and his blessings. Amen. So let's try these next three verses. Not for weight of glory, not for crown or palm, enter song amen and let's do one more song right across the page 622 next page we are marching to zion amen that is a promise of christ's millennial kingdom and we will be here come we that love the lord and let our joys be known join in a song with sweet accord join in a song with sweet accord and thus around the throne and thus around the throne we're marching to zion beautiful beautiful zion we're marching upward to zion the beautiful city of god let those refuse to sing who never knew our God, but children of the heavenly King, but children of the heavenly King, may speak their joys abroad, may speak their joys abroad. Let's go, we're marching to Zion, beautiful, beautiful Zion, we're marching upward to Zion. City of God, the hill of Zion yields a thousand sacred sweets. Before we reach the heavenly fields, before we reach the heavenly fields, or walk the golden streets, or walk the golden streets, we're marching to Zion. Zion, we're marching upward to Zion, the beautiful city of God on the fourth. Then let our songs abound and every tear be dry. We're marching through Emmanuel's ground. We're marching through Emmanuel's ground to bear. 
Let's take our prayer list here. And just some praises to the Lord. Praise the Lord. The tile is finished in the lobby and down the stairs and in the bathrooms downstairs. And, and uh, feel free to go and inspect. We still have to, somebody said, what about those boards on the steps? They're coming off. But we just wanted to let them on there to make sure everything dried thoroughly. And so, um, and if we have somebody who wants to learn how to paint very patiently, all of that steel around the steps uh, needs to be sanded and painted, and uh, it'll look a whole lot better after that's done. But praise the Lord. I asked Brother Sam uh, shortly before he left. He's the tile man, and uh, he said, I said, did you think you were going to get all this finished? He said, no. He said, I had no idea how we were going to get it done. He said, but I came to finish it. And he said, praise the Lord, it is finished. So uh, praise the Lord, and uh, we want to praise the Lord. I think I can speak for the uh, seven men, uh, six from our church, and Brother Saravia, they went to the meeting, that it was worth the effort to get to Montreal and back in two days. And um, there was some... Great, great preaching, and I warned all the guys, I said, you're probably going to hear some of those sermons again, but uh, it'll do you some good, amen? We'll try to take the, uh, the best and the applicable things that we can out of that meeting and share it with everyone, and uh, praise the Lord, uh, we had 75 or 78 this morning, something like that, and it uh, takes a little bit of rain to discourage a few people, but praise the Lord uh, for the attendance. Anything else to praise the Lord about? Going once, going, Brother Ted. Something to praise the Lord about. Stephen? Oh, okay. At the park, he was out there playing and got to invite somebody to church. So praise the Lord for that. And that's Stephen. Peter? Amen. You better be careful what you pray for. The Lord answers prayer. Amen. All right. Praise the Lord. And uh, I don't know if this is a praise or a prayer request, but uh, uh, both uh, Brother Bob and uh, Millet, were, uh, their procedures were uh, put off another week. So uh, we'll pray for them. But uh, And uh, Shirley came through the surgery fairly well. As far as I know, the, the doctors were happy with what happened. And... Uh, so we praise the Lord for that, and they let us sneak in just after visiting hours last night to at least say hi, and uh, we sat out in the hall while the nurse messed around with the IV tube for half an hour, but then we got in to pray with her uh, before we had to leave, but praise the Lord for that, just the opportunity to be there. And um, anything else? Rowena. Amen. Praise God for his faithfulness. All right. Going once, twice. All right, let's go. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for your work in our life. We thank you, Lord, for the, uh, just the privilege of being able to go and sit under uh, preaching. And, uh, Lord, that uh, it was preaching that was just uh, tailored to the needs of men. We thank you for that, Lord. We 
We thank you for the many other things that you are doing. We thank you for uh, Brother Joseph and his wife, uh, Magna, that are now moved here to Astoria. And they now have a job and working and, and preparing to help Brother Saravia. Lord, we thank you for your blessings there. We thank you for the attendance. We thank you for the work that is being done, Lord. We thank you for all the willing helpers over the last several weeks that have helped us do all of these things. And, Lord, we just thank you for your faithfulness and your goodness to us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Brother Franz. All right. Let's stand and turn to page 418. 418. This may be another new song. Faith is the victory. Might have heard it before, but probably singing it for the first time here. Beautiful song. Encamped along the hills of light, ye Christian soldiers rise and press the battle ere the night shall veil the glowing tides. Against the foe wind veils below, let all our strength be hurled. Faith is the victory. Shouts of triumph trod. By faith they like a whirlwind's breath swept on o'er every field. The faith by which they conquered death is still our shining shield. Faith is the victory. Faith is the victory. Oh, glorious victory that overcomes the on every hand the foe we find drawn up in dread array. Let tents of these be left behind and onward to the fray. Salvation's helmet on each head with truth all girt about. The earth shall tremble neath our tread and echo with our shouts. So sing it, faith is a big shall be him before the angels he shall know his name confessed in heaven then onward from the hills of light our hearts with love aflame we'll vanquish all the host of night in Jesus conquering name faith is the victory Take your Bibles, if you would, and turn to Psalm 73. Psalm 73. And uh, just going to try, uh, as we did last Sunday night, to uh, meander through this psalm, so to say, kind of grazing upon the uh, goodness of God's Word. And this first verse of Psalm 73 should arrest your attention, should get your attention. I mean, there's just certain verses that kind of jump off the page, at least to me, and this is always one of them. Truly, God is good to Israel, even to such as are of a clean heart. Now, let's read that all together. Would you read that with me? Psalm 73, verse 1. Truly God is good to Israel, even to such as are of a clean heart. We, when we think of God, 
the first thing that we ought to think of is God's goodness. Amen. I mean, God is good. And when you're a little child, I don't know if your parents ever taught you this prayer. We, we really haven't done that to our children because we don't want them just reciting verses and thinking it's prayer. God is great. God is good. Let us thank him for our food. Uh, amen. Uh, or, well, in those days it was amen, but uh, the proper enunciation is amen. You can't give a hearty amen uh, unless it's in French. And uh, that's, that's how they do it. And uh, so this, this idea here is God is great, God is good. Yes, we understand that, but do you really understand it? God, we, when something good happens, we say God is good. When something we don't like happens, do we say God is good? Well, God's going to get me through this, right? No. Yeah, let's sit still and take them out. There we go. That opens the ears. Now, truly God is good to Israel, even to such as are of a clean heart. God is always good. He is never anything less than good. When you are in surgery, God is still good. Amen. When you are standing at death's door, guess what? God is still good. Because it's death's door that allows us to get into heaven. Amen? And so as we look at all of this, thank you very much, Brother Franz. God is good to Israel, and then there's an application that includes you and I in there, even to such as are of a clean heart. Now, how do you get a clean heart? There's only one way to get a clean heart. That's coming to Jesus Christ and confessing your sins and getting His forgiveness, His cleansing. Amen. That's the only way your heart can be clean. But the next word is, but. That little conjunction. How many of you have read Psalm 73 before? Isn't it a wonderful psalm? And every once in a while, you're going to find yourself here. You know God is good, but it doesn't feel that way. You know God is good, but things up here just aren't what they ought to be. And by the way, if they're not right up here, they're not right down here. And if they're not right down here, they're not right up here. I mean, it's, it starts at the heart and works its way through. Amen. And here's what David is writing here, or actually Asaph, a psalm of Asaph, it says here, Truly God is good to Israel, even to such as are of a clean heart. But as for me, my feet were almost gone. My steps had well nigh slipped. You know, you can be where you're supposed to be. Asaph was the music leader in the temple. Solomon. He was the guy that wrote the psalms and the songs that they sang when the Shekinah glory of God filled the temple and no one could enter in. Most of us aren't aware of all the stories, but I mean, when Solomon finished praying in Second Chronicles, fire fell from heaven and consumed the offerings and the glory of God filled that temple that Solomon had built and no one could go in. I mean, you talk about something that had not happened since the children of Israel wandered through the wilderness and that Shekinah glory of God led them as a pillar of fire by night and as a pillar of cloud by day. That glory filled the temple in Solomon's day. And Asaph says, I was there, but my feet were almost gone. My steps had well nigh slipped. For I was envious at the foolish when I saw the prosperity of the wicked. For there are no bands in their death, but their strength is firm. They are not in trouble as other men, neither are they plagued like other men. 
Therefore pride compasseth them about as a chain. Violence covereth them as a garment. Their eyes stand out with fatness. They have more than heart could wish. They are corrupt and speak wickedly concerning oppression. They speak loftily. They set their mouth against the heavens and their tongue walketh through the earth. Therefore his people return hither and the waters of a full cup are wrung out to them. And they say, how doth God know? And is there knowledge in the Most High? Behold, these are the ungodly who prosper in the world. They increase in riches verily. I have cleansed my heart in vain and washed my hands in innocency. For all the day long have I been plagued and chastened every morning. If I say, I will speak thus, behold, I should offend against the generations of thy children. When I thought to know this, it was too painful for me. Now let's let's get what this this was not just some Joe Schmo Christian who was overtaking with thoughts of the world. This was the worship leader in Solomon's temple. These words were given to him by God, but they were describing what was going on in Asaph's heart. And I, I don't know that I can speak for everybody, but a lot of us as Christians have been there at one time or another. Now, let's just go through what Asaph said. He said, I was envious at the foolish when I saw the prosperity of the wicked. Now, we live in a world where the nice guy comes in last. Isn't that right? Hello? Am I the only one here tonight? You ever feel that way? If you do right, you're just going to get kicked in the can, right? If you are the one that is trying to do and be honest, boy, you're the one that, that everything gets blamed on. And he's saying, listen, these people, they just get into trouble and they get out of it. I mean, how many of us complained about our former president? who did all of that rotten, vile, wicked stuff, got away with it. You want to know why President Clinton was so popular? It's because he got away with it. That's why he was so popular. Everybody wants to be able to get away with it. And when he got away with it time after time after time again, this question comes up and it came up in the heart of Asaph, he said, I look at these people and everything they do, they make lots of money, they have everything they want, they're not concerned at all with God. In fact, they say, God doesn't care. If God really cared, He'd stop me. And He isn't, so God must not care. Over in the former Soviet Union, they used to have a class full of children. And they would tell those children and they, they purposely manipulated events and things around and, and, and they would say, now we want you to pray to God and ask Him to give you something, either uh, some kind of treat or something like that. And they would pray in their classroom. Of course, nothing would happen. And then the teacher said, now I want you to ask the Communist Party for the same thing. And of course, they had it in the closet. And they would get it out and they would treat the kids. And they said, now, see, you prayed to God. He didn't do this. But you asked the Communist Party and we did it. Boy, you talk about wickedness. But that's what went on at children. Because they wanted to condition the mind of the children against God. How doth God know? And is there any knowledge in the Most High? Behold, these, things, these are the ungodly who prosper in the world. They increase in riches. And Asaph comes down to verse 13. And he says, Verily, I've cleansed my heart in vain and washed my hands in innocency. He said, I'm trying to serve God. Now, it's a hard thing to serve God. It's a hard thing to be holy in an unholy day. Amen? 
It's a hard road to hoe sometimes when you see everybody else getting ahead. Now, before you get too far along here, we're, we're going to pick up the other side of this thing. Amen? I mean, he doesn't end it right here. He says, For all the day long, verse 13, have I been plagued and chastened every morning. If I say I will speak thus, behold, I should offend against the generation of thy children. He said, if I'm honest with what's going on in my heart, I'm going to destroy the next generation. So I know something's wrong somewhere. Because we should serve God. We should allow ourselves to be plagued and chastened every morning that we may draw closer to the Lord. Amen? We should uh, work and strive for this end. He said, when I thought to know this, it was too painful for me. Now, verse 17. He says, until I went into the sanctuary of God, then understood I their end. He said, I was without singing praises and doing all of these things. And in my heart, I was just looking at the prosperity of all the unrighteous people and how well they did and all of these things. And I began to wonder, was it really worth it serving God? He said, then I thought about the next generation that comes after me. And if they heard me saying these things, I would overthrow their faith and destroy their faith in God. Now something's wrong here. And where he found the answer was when he went into the sanctuary. Now, when I was a little kid, our church had a big room like this, and they called it the sanctuary. And um, this is not the sanctuary right here, okay? This is the auditorium, amen? Uh, the word sanctuary means the dwelling place. God does not live in this building. He lives in these buildings right here. He lives in the building that is assembled here. Each of us as living stones are built up. We are parts, members of one another as the body of Christ. That's where the Holy Spirit dwells. Amen. That is the true sanctuary. When you... Yet before God, in a heart of worship, you understand that it's worth serving God, God's way, because He is God. Amen? Somewhere in your life, you're going to have to come to that realization. You're going to have to come to that understanding that God is God because He is God, and there's none other like unto Him, none to be compared to Him. And there's only one. He doesn't have many paths that lead to His presence. Only one path. He doesn't offer many opportunities for us to actualize our wants and our desires in His presence. He wants us to get rid of all those things. Because if we could just touch His presence, what else do you want? Amen? What else could you want? I mean, that's what heaven is going to be about. That's the greatest joy that is going to be there. I mean, I've heard preachers preach all kinds of things about heaven. But I'll tell you, I think you read... Revelation 4 and 5. It's going to be about the throne and he that sits upon it. That's what heaven's going to be about. Could you imagine just getting a glimpse of God for the very first time? Asaph said, I went into the sanctuary. He said, then I understood. And he goes on, and we'll just read what he says here. He said, surely thou didst set them in slippery places. Thou castest them down into destruction. 
How are they brought into desolation as in a moment? They are utterly consumed with terrors. As a dream when one awaketh, so, Lord, when thou awakest, thou shalt despise their image. Thus my heart was grieved, and I was pricked in my reign. So foolish was I and ignorant. I was as a beast before thee. Nevertheless, I am continually with thee. Thou hast holden me by thy right hand. Did you get that right there? Have you ever just gone before the Lord and apologized for your behavior? Ask Him to forgive you for just being stupid. That's what that word beast means. It means like a beast without any understanding at all. Lord, I, I was like a beast, but look what it says. Nevertheless, I am continually with thee. Not because of my desire to be continually with thee. Thou hast holden me by my right hand. Say, Lord, you just had me by the hand the whole time. You led me through these difficult things. And my mind wandered, and you knew my mind and my heart were wandering from the truth. But I went into the sanctuary, and when I got in the presence of God, I began to understand that all these quote-unquote great things that the earth has to offer aren't very great after all. They don't last very long. Which one? I can't remember which John Jacob Astor it was, but uh, he was certainly the inheritance. I mean, we, we live in Astoria, John Jacob Astor. I'm, there's an Astoria out in Oregon that was part of his great empire. And uh, he was on board the Titanic. They found him floating on top a couple days later. What good did his money and his fortune do him? Not a bit. When you stand before God, it's, it's all gone. It's just you. Amen? And we look here and he says, even though I was so... He said, even though I was acting like a beast, he said, you still had me by the right hand. Isn't that a wonderful truth? Isn't that a wonderful thought? He says, let's keep going on. Thou shalt guide me with thy counsel, and afterward receive me to glory. Whom have I in heaven but thee? And there is none upon earth that I desire beside thee. My flesh and my heart faileth, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. For lo, they that are far from thee shall perish. Thou hast destroyed all them that go whoring from thee. But it is good for me to draw near to God. I have put my trust in the Lord God, that I may declare all thy works. Now there's a purpose in this song. He is writing to help us understand the thoughts and intents of our own heart. The heart is deceitful above all things and what? Desperately wicked. Who can know it? And there will come a time, if it has not yet happened, there will be a time when you will look to the world and you will begin to question, is it really worth serving God? Is it really the thing I ought to be doing? And in my heart, I know what the answer is because God is truly good to Israel and to all them that are of a clean heart. Amen. I mean, we know what the Bible says. But do we really believe it applies to me? As we allow ourselves to look and to think. And there used to be this idea of wanting the next generation to be better off than this generation. That used to be a cornerstone of American society. Now that has changed. I want the next generation to have more things than this generation has. Do things solve problems? Well, maybe to a degree. But things usually, I mean, I'm glad I have my computer. It solves a lot of problems. 
But guess what? I got a list of problems this long that I've got to solve because I have the computer. Amen? I mean, that's just the way it works. I like what Brother Clayton says. He says, you don't need money. He says, you need God. He'll take care of the money. He does. He always will. Amen? The wicked are prosperous, always have been. But how long does their prosperity last? Does it go beyond the grave? Maybe you remember the story. I'm not sure exactly where this happened, but with some rich guy had a gold-plated Cadillac. He wanted to be buried in it. And so they strapped him into the seat and dug the hole and stuck that thing down in and left the tail fin sticking up out of the ground. What a testimony, right? I don't know how long it took them, but eventually they're going to have to go and fill the hole in again because that thing's going to rust all to pieces, isn't it? Somebody uh, tells the story of following that procession and that gold-plated Cadillac was headed to the cemetery and said, boy, that's living, right? No. He was full of death. The guy was dead. I mean, there was nothing there. You can't take it with you. Somebody said, what am I going to do when I die? I know my kids are going to fight over everything I have. Hey, give it away while you're living. Amen. The Bible says the wise man layeth it up for the grandchildren, not for the children. That'd solve a lot of problems, wouldn't it? But as we look here, he says, until I went into the sanctuary, God, then I understood therein. He said, God was upholding me. He was holding my right hand through all my foolishness. He said, thou shalt guide me with thy counsel and afterward receive me to glory tell you the greatest promise in this life is I can have God's counsel on what I ought to do. It's written down. That's all I need to know. And when I pass from this life into the next, I'm leaving this world and going into the very presence of God. Whom have I in heaven but thee? I have a lot of family over on the other side. But, you know, I don't know how much time I'm going to spend looking them up. Because I want to get close to that throne. I want to take a look at the God who sustained me and the God who's brought me through this life. My flesh and my heart faileth, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. For, lo, they that are far from thee shall perish. Thou hast destroyed all them that go whoring from thee. Think of all the false religions in the world. Think of all the religions that claim to offer. How many remember, uh, what was his name? Uh, Armstrong, Herbert W. Armstrong. Does anybody remember that freak? He used to sit on the television and they'd zoom in the camera. He'd pick up a telephone and go, Hello, God. And that's how he started his uh, television program. And God told him that his son, Herbert Garner Armstrong, was going to take over for him. And he had announced this prophecy until he found out his son was a filthy, reprobate, woman chaser kind of guy. Then it was God's will for him to take it back. You know what it says? It says, Lo, they are far from thee, shall perish. Thou hast destroyed all them that go whoring from thee. Mary Baker Eddy. How many remember her? Christian Science. You ever see that Christian Science reading room? That's the woman that founded it. They buried her with a telephone line in her casket so she could call back from the dead. Well, how'd you like to get the service call on that phone? And the phone line was right there to the pole, went right down into the ground. 
they finally got tired of paying the bill. And I can't remember when it was, but I remember hearing a radio announcement sometime that uh, the Church of the Christian Science uh, finally decided to cut off the phone service to uh, Mary Baker Edney's coffin. How many times had the Jehovah's Witnesses proclaimed that Jesus is coming back? They even said Michael Jackson was the Antichrist. Now, surely, I don't know anyone who would ever, under any circumstances, confuse Michael Jackson with Jesus Christ. Do you? Hmm? I mean, religion is absolutely hilarious when you study it, how ridiculous it is. And we could give example after example. But people follow these things. Why? Because they've gone far from the Lord. When you turn your back on this book called the Bible, you will believe anything. Let me tell you, emphasis on anything. How about the people that followed that man who was on psychiatric meds because he couldn't even stand up straight without his medication? But he had made contact with the mothership, and if they all suffocated themselves with purple handkerchiefs over the plastic bags they tied around their throats, they were all going to go uh, join the mother spaceship that was orbiting over the Earth. Anybody remember that? About 15 people committed suicide on the same day in two different cities. Apple Wait or Apple, Apple, huh? Was it Apple Gate or Apple Wait? I can't remember which one it was. But uh, the, the apples were rotten, whatever color they were. And uh, why? Because if you're far from the Lord, you're going to perish, my friend. But it is good for me to draw near to God. That's where the answer is. I have put my trust in the Lord God. Why? That I may declare all thy works. Who are you going to declare all his works to? Well, let's go back here. Verse 15, If I say I will speak thus, behold, I should offend against the generation of thy children. The great problem that we have had with true Bible-believing Christianity in America is we have not kept the next generation. They've gone out into the world. Because, see, the parents didn't spend the time in the sanctuary of the Lord. They offended against those children, and those children said, well, if Dad's heart's really in the world, well, that's where I'm going. We have a world full of Christian businessmen today. Now, God needs Christian businessmen. But I want something better for my kids. God needs some godly preachers, amen? And there's some godly preachers that God's raising up out there that need godly wives that will help them in the ministry. Hey, there's, there's a generation that's coming up. And we need to declare the works of God to that generation so that when they grow up and are able to make the choices for their life, they'll want to speak with Asaph. It is good to draw near to God. I have put my trust in the Lord God that I may declare all thy works. We've lost generation after generation. And we wonder why our country is in the mess that it is in. It's because too many Christians, God envious of the wicked, never went into the sanctuary of the Lord and figured it all out. Psalm 73. A psalm of living. Amen. A psalm of challenge to our hearts. Don't let the young people of this generation look at us and say, well, they said God was good. 
is really going on. We've used this story before. The preacher comes over to the house and the father's trying to make a good impression on the preacher and he says, son, get the book that daddy loves. The preacher's here. The little boy brings out the Sears and Roebuck catalog. That's the book daddy spent all his time with, not the Bible. Hey, let me tell you something. It ain't worth it if your kids don't serve God. It's not worth it if we do not do something. And by the way, it's not just the parent's job. These kids are looking around and they're looking at other people's lives. And when they look at your life, are they encouraged to serve God and to give up the things of this world or are they encouraged to go out into the world and find the things of this world? We need to think about that. Because we've got another generation. We need to declare those works so that they will live for God. All God's people said. Heavenly Father, we come before you and we ask once again that you would encourage us in your word that we would love you that we would realize our own foolishness and realize that hand is right there leading us if we'll just follow. Lord, let us declare your works to the next generation. In Jesus' name we pray. Before we finish that prayer, just keep our heads bowed. If you'd like to spend a few moments at the altar, the altar is open. Let's prepare our hearts for the time of prayer to come. God's people said? Amen. All right, let's take just a moment, go over the prayer list here.